Good morning, everyone, and, and thank you for joining us for our fifth edition and fifth digital drop-in that we've been running over the past um, two, three weeks. Hope everyone had a nice bank holiday and managed to, you know, eat their body weight in Easter eggs if you've got children. I know we had to. Um, and yeah, I suppose a quick introduction for, for what today is about and, and who we've got on the panel. So um, today's uh, drop-in session is, is a, a total open Q&A. Um, feel free to ask any questions. We'll cover as many as we can about as many Netflix series as we possibly can as well, such as Tiger King. Thank you again, Simon. Um, and um, we, we kind of generally have two or three key areas that we steer the conversation around that we've been garnering from our clients and, and, and some of the conversations we've been having in, in the digital community online, etc. Um but in and amongst that, any questions that come through, feel free and, and we'll pick those up as we go. Um, so in terms of a quick intro to the panel, so so my name's Brett Jacobson. I'm, I'm founder and CEO of MediaWorks. Um, if the rest of the panel want to just briefly introduce themselves in, in, in their role so people can recognize the voices. Um, Chris, do you want to just kick off? Yeah, my name's Chris Coulson. I'm communications director at MediaWorks. Uh, Scott, do you want to get us going next? Scott Holland, Sales Director at MediaWorks. Dan? Hey, I'm Daniel, CTO at MediaWorks. Elle? I'm Elle, I'm Media Director at MediaWorks. Rachel? Hi, I'm Rachel and I'm the Head of the Insights Team here at MediaWorks. Andy? Hi, I'm Andy, I'm the Creative Director at MediaWorks. And last but not least, Paul? Hi, I'm Paul, uh, I'm Managing Partner at MediaWorks in Leeds and I work on Brand Strategy. Great, good stuff. Okay, well, I think, I think, I suppose what what we wanted to talk about today. A lot of the previous sessions have been very much around the now and and sort of marketing in a crisis and and, and what sort of um, immediate kind of critical actions we felt that marketers could should and and and, and we we saw them taking to sort of to look at the last two weeks. I think what we want to look at today is is, is put a bit of a focus on. What kind of behaviours, trends, and how do we think the world's going to change a little coming out the back the back of this? And what kind of um, habits and behaviours are um, the public, our audience, consumers, users um, going to going to be adapting to, sticking to? And what can we do as marketers to embrace this moving forward over the next six to twelve weeks and and beyond? Um, uh, I, I suppose the first one, just to get us get us kicked off really is is just looking at what do we i suppose just picking up on that last point there guys what habits do we think are going to stick you know we've been talking about in the last couple of sessions around people's viewing habits of things like itv hub and sky ad smart um you know spotify's been recording record numbers of users the radio has been up you know phenomenal amount of, of, of listeners people are getting used to just popping the radio on again at home in the kitchen and and i think you know what what, what what sort of habits do we think are going to stick and, and what can we be doing as marketers to embrace that? I think, Elle, you had a few areas that you wanted to cover on this. Yeah, um, it's been really interesting to see the, the changes in people's media consumption habits and how being at home and having time and um, has become, you know, it's just changed the way that people consume um, things like news and radio and streaming and also the, te you know, the, the techie side of it in terms of people who didn't want to maybe use on-demand TV before, you know, they're in the ITV hub, they're learning how to use it because they have to, because they've got time, because, you know, because they want to access the programs and the increases we've seen 
in terms of radio listening um, have been have been massive, and that will be recorded in the next set of radar data, which will be another at least three months' time. But in the meantime, um, you know, the streaming side of things, so people using Alexas and you know to access their music and their radio. But I think also I'm really sort of keen to to see that people have. Um, genuinely started to have a connection with their radio stations again. You know, they trust them. They go into them for news. They go into them for enjoyment. Um, I think those habits will continue. I think they'll still appreciate what radio can do for them. Um, but also, you know, they've found somewhere that they can trust, um, you know, because they want trusted news and radio gives them that. And I think, I think that's what I'll find most interesting is that whether or not people stick with their radio stations because they've now got that connection with it. Um, and that will obviously do uh, good things for advertisers who want to um, jump on radio to get big numbers, but also to, to, to almost, you know, get in with that, that trust element of the radio stations. That, for me, I'm hoping that that habit will stick. Yeah, I think we talked in the last session quite a bit about those sort of traditional kind of push marketing and email marketing and things like this, where these methods that people had maybe moved away from and it had moved more into these sort of demand-led sort of pull marketing around things like SEO, PPC, retargeting. And it sort of started to ignore these channels. I think you're right, Al. You know, the, these channels are going to see a, a big, you know, re-emergence. And I think there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities for the people who move move quickly in those spaces. I think yeah. we picked up a stat as well from a, like a McKinsey report around Gen X being a, um, which I think is the sort of the, the, the age category that were born just before kind of millennials. So 37 to 50 year olds who kind of hadn't quite grown up with digital, but were very much embraced digital and being part of that digital revolution. We're now spending more hours online than ever before as well, doing the shopping, like you say, streaming, using video on demand services that they've maybe not used before. So I think there's a big opportunity for people to be targeting this, this Gen X category specifically as well. I just think on that as well, you know, we've talked about it from a consumer bit side, like how are we, how are our behaviors going to change? But actually from a marketing side as well, like the channels that you pick or that you choose to invest in might not, might not stay the same as it was before this. Um, you know, traditionally some um, channels are really hard to prove an ROI on and therefore people tend to stay away from them. But actually if it's getting good engagement and it's, you know, keeping with the key audience that you've built over this lockdown period, you know, I would struggle to see how marketers would move away from that as well. So it'll be interesting to see the shift in channels that they pick at the end. I think that's a really, really important point, Rachel. You know, I think we had a breakfast series recently in January, um, which we, we hosted with Google. And a, a big a big part of that was kind of just explaining that people had become just too hung up on everything was ROI for us and started to ignore that top funnel awareness element of the user journey, which is critically important because, you know, if you stop throwing people in the top of that funnel or, or whatever you want to call it, then there's, there's going to be less falling out the bottom. And I think yeah, people exactly. had become very hyper-focused on that bottom funnel and, and it maybe missed a few of those bigger, broader push opportunities at the awareness stage for sure. Yeah, I think I think the, the kind of the situation right, has almost um, forced brands and, and retailers to, to treat consumers a little bit differently for a period of time. 
um, in terms of actually, you know, spending time building relationships, building community, putting their priorities, not from a sales perspective, which, as you said, traditionally, it's what we focus on. It's what our marketing activity should be built around. But we've almost been forced this new behavior that maybe allow us to see our marketing activity and our consumers in a different light. Not going to say more respectfully, but I definitely think we've seen that we will have seen or definitely see the value in the next six to 12 weeks of the efforts of building that kind of relationship between a consumer. And I think um, saw a really interesting one this weekend uh, from uh, L'Oreal. So obviously we all know L'Oreal, enormous global um, health and beauty brand, uh, but they do a, a huge program of activity around their hair salons. So they, they support all those local businesses. And they had a, a new service that they'd launched this weekend, which was just focused on the salons saying, um, hey, now's a good time to audit your website, check out your website, is working, can you book online, these kind of things. Uh, the second uh, session they were doing for all their salon people was uh, around their social media. So they're uh, doing a social audit, encouraging people to look at how they're using their social channels to engage with their customers. And then the final bit, <coughs> which, you know, would you ever have expected L'Oreal to be talking about this to their salons, but doing a consumer experience audit across what is the actual experience of booking and the whole thing. So you're seeing um, the, you, you know, it's not it's not just habits that are sticking, but it's coming out of this with with kind of new habits in, in place about how to how to run your business more effectively as well. So I think that's uh, that, that was really interesting. I mean, obviously, us as media works, we'd be encouraging all our clients to do this kind of thing. But um, seeing someone like L'Oreal talking to hair salons like that is definitely a sign that, um, you know, all of all of what's been going on is making people think a little bit more differently about their business and some how important some of these channels are. And I think as well that we're going to discuss another report in, in, in the next question. But you know, there's there's kind of data coming out now about what's been the most important thing for consumers during this period of time. What's been the the big driver which has forced you to make that new purchase from a new supplier and you know things like extended time on refunds and priority delivery on on kind of products of importance and I think it would be a good time to look at right actually what were the USPs that worked and do they have value in this new in, in the new norm do they have value that could still be a big differentiator for us as a brand so I think it's forced people consumers to behave differently and and it's almost what was important to them then could definitely continue to be important to them in the future. So I think it's a, a nice little avenue to explore as well. Yeah, if someone operates comfortably by offering a 90-day return policy rather than 30 and realises that actually the returns don't go up, the revenue doesn't drop, and they've given a huge USP over the competitors, why would they take that away 12 weeks from now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a really good point, Andy. Um, Okay, cool. So uh, the next point that we wanted to touch on it was around a, a global web index study that was performed um and, and sort of who global web index are a kind of independent body that will question the public and ask them various different different questions to to garner research for brands um and and what they were asking people were around what are going to be their big purchase priorities once we come out the back of kind of COVID-19 and, and the lockdown you know people have been cooped up They've, they've um, you know, they're, they're going to kind of burst out of the front door and are they going to go and buy cars and holidays and, you know, and, and treat themselves? And what, what are these big purchase priorities that 
we think people are going to drive. I think, Paul, you, you were going to have a couple of topics on this. Right? Yeah, so uh, someone said, uh, Lime Russell, hope I pronounced your name right, um, just asked in the in the chat, um, it, you know, wh where do we get the data from for some of these things that we're talking about? So Global Web Index is a, a service that we subscribe to at MediaWorks. It's a, a very big panel survey that, that they, they survey people in waves and um, ask a, a really big range of questions around people's attitudes, behaviours, um, purchasing behavior about brands but about how they feel about life and the world as well so it's a, it's a really important part of how how it's an important source of when we're doing our day-to-day -day work let alone when we're going through something like this when uh, it can be you, you know you can you can observe the world that you live in but it's everybody else thinking feeling the same thing so, so that's global web index and um you know you can, you can google them but we have access to um, the the big data sets as well. Um, anyway, so so this week they did their latest wave. They've been uh, interviewing people all the way through the COVID nineteen outbreak. And uh, as Brett said, there was some really interesting questions. So again, they they asked this question. You know, what, what are you going to prioritise um, when when we start to come out the other side of this? So. Uh, what was really interesting was, um, so holidays immediately go to the top of the list and you kind of go, that, that might be a bit unsurprising, but I think the, uh, and, and certainly holidays at home, so holidays in your own country, um, again, you, you know, you might, you might find that a little bit unsurprising, but I think it's, it's certainly impact that has on other people. So, you know, train travel, bus travel, um, even things like, my, you know, I tried starting my car the, the other week and my battery was dead so uh, because I haven't been driving the car very much. So even people like QuickFit need to be aware they might get suddenly a load of people that need the tyres sorting out and the batteries. So I think this, the, the, uh, a, big, a big boom in vacationing within the UK is going to be really important. Um, the, the other thing that really stands out is people, people uh, putting off big ticket items, so home and furniture. Um, and I think what's interesting about the Global Web Index data is then it, they divide it by the different, uh, you know, your different life stages. So millennials uh, are really kind of coming up quite high for home and furniture. So they've all, obviously all been sat at home um, and going, right, we need to sort out the lounge, we need to sort out, um, you know, whatever it is they're going to do. Um, whereas actually, you know, Gen Z, so the youngest end of, of the audiences, they're the ones that are really hungry to get away and uh, go exploring the UK. So, so really interesting data. I mean, even things like new cars are coming back in there. And again, that's the millennials that are looking for the new cars. So you've got a millennial audience that's going to be there going, give me, give me sofas, give me cars. And then the Gen Zers are, are going to want to know where they can go on an Airbnb for a weekend break or, or whatever. So, so re really interesting stuff coming through about what people's priorities are going to be. I think um, I think there's a key point there as well, like you say, is just for people to be prepared, you know. And I think it, I think we we chatted last Thursday with a client of ours, um, Ali Dowson and Reynolds, which is a, a, a luxury homeware brand based out of Yorkshire, um, with with an e-commerce presence. And it was about they had kind of kept that skeleton staff on so they could continue to service the the brands, but. They, they had a, a very clear plan in place for how they were going to come back online as, as the sort of, as everybody came out of lockdown and the rebound happens and, and, and everybody kind of rushes back out the stores and we have this kind of anticipated Black Friday and Q3 and Cyber Monday. Um, I think, you know, our advice would be that think about your business, think about your customers. Like Paul says, whether you're a local garage or whether you're, you know, next, you've got to be thinking about how you're going to cope with, you know, two, three or fourfold demand 
um, especially with a workforce or facilities that might have been switched off or paused or highly relaxed over the past 12 weeks. That's that's definitely something you need to be considering because we're still very confident, you know, that that is going to happen and, and that is where we're going to be headed and, and that positivity will arrive. So I think be prepared for that would, would definitely be the advice there. Um, I think the third point we wanted to, to touch on was around what, what, what the expectations are um, around how we think retailers and, and businesses are going to be adapting to life post-lockdown. Um, so, you know, there's, there's certain behaviours, certain habits, you know, how, what do we think is going to change for people moving forwards and, and how are they going to, how can marketers support that and how can the, the attendees learn from that? I think just on that, which ties into what we were just talking about before as well, is how important it will be to keep up everything that you have been doing. So, you know, we've predicted that there's going to be this uptick. And um, from the research, it's shown that people are already researching what their big um, purchase is going to be after this. So they're ready for that uptick. But right now, your communication's been top-notch. It's been, you know, you've um, talked with the customer every step through their journey, like reassuring them. And I think once that boom starts, you have to still be doing that consistent messaging and, you know, keeping that communication with the customer as well. You can't almost just go, right, everything's done. Let's, you know, let's business as usual. I think they're still going to want that reassurance for the next, you know, the next part of this. I think um, yeah, I think I think that's that's exactly right. Um, I mean, uh, uh, again, um, Global Web Index have um, kind of done some really interesting work around um, looking at um, what people's expectations in retail is going to be. Uh, someone's just put in chat about um, you know people working from home and you know opportunities for for businesses that are kind of um, you know. Work can work remotely and sell direct and e-commerce businesses. Um, but I think uh, what Global Web Index did was was look at both bricks and mortar and e-commerce. Uh, you know, again, some of this is unsur- unsurprising because as we come out of lockdown, I mean, what what most of the commentators are saying is it's going to be quite gradual. So within cl- uh, bricks and mortar stores, we should still expect to see social distancing. We might have um, different segments of the population being able to shop at different times. And, um, and I think although you can hear it from the commentators or the politicians and you might think, oh, God, that'd be a bit weird. But actually the research, when you go and ask people, would they expect that? Then people are saying, yes, they are. That Yes, they would expect that. So people aren't expecting to return back to a, a bricks and mortar world where everybody's just piling in on, on a Saturday afternoon in town. Um, it's going to be managed. Um, but then on the flip side for the e-commerce businesses, um, the expectations of free deliveries, um, longer times to be able to do returns, all these kind of things. People have actually enjoyed that and um, will probably have an expectation for, for some of those things to continue out the other side. Um, bricks and mortar, we can expect quite a strange world for a while. E-commerce, we've kind of, Rachel just made a really good point about people are expecting more communication, but they're also expecting you know higher levels of service, so the free deliveries and those kind of things. Um, so I think we've got to keep a keep a real eye on, on that as, as as we start to come out of things. But um, you know, and Global Web Index will do another wave of this data in a month's time, and let's see let's see how things have changed and and how people are thinking. I think it'll vary across industry as well. Paul, I was speaking to somebody in car industry yesterday, uh, the other day, not yesterday, Thursday, and they're actually struggling to actually get the stock in or ship it. Another one that is in manufacturing, and actually they've had to shut the plant down. 
So while even with this demand, they're not actually going to be able to service the demand on the end of it. There's going to be a lag even on the back of the, the behavior to when actually these products can be delivered and shipped. So never mind an internet lag, but actually a, a sort of operational logistics lag from stuff coming out of China. They're running at, what, 50% capacity. And that, that sort of backlog is going to take another six months to come through the system as well. Yeah, Brett, I was just going to touch on that. I think um, it's quite interesting what we talked about at the start, what kind of changes in buying behaviour will then like flow through the next two or three years. I think we talked about uh, at recent events, scarcity is a big one. So making sure that you, you win in the middle. There's top awareness stuff that we're doing now. And then there's also purchase decisions. But scarcity, delivery times will probably become more and more key. And I think that fits in with what Scott's saying. I thought that the other thing that was interesting was from Global Web Index again, is how retailers and the, and the bricks and mortar stores are starting to plan now for that uptick. So having a look if you've got social distancing measures in place, how that's going to impact pubs, restaurants, clubs, the leisure industry. What we're saying is, People, you know, in the UK, I think 44% of the, the people who answered wanted to go on holidays or they wanted to go, whether that was domestic or abroad. So what social distancing measures are, are, are being brought in or we're planning for that? Um, dedicating shopping hours as well, how we're going split, to split that up as, as, as things move forward and how you're prioritising things through home delivery or in-store. I think those sorts of plans in the in the coming months for the uptick sort of feeds in with with um, what we're seeing more queues queues online queues in the stores. I think retailers have to be thinking about and planning that now. Yeah, I think I mean, does this this sort of again touches on something we've mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which was around. Um, I think someone was trying to make a purchase of a bread maker and had to go to page five of Google before they could find one because they were all out of stock. Does this create opportunities for marketers to tap into kind of um, competitor targeting kind of guerrilla marketing tactics of, well, actually, you know, I know if somebody's searching for my competitor's brand, they're probably looking for a similar product that I offer. Um, I know that competitor doesn't have that in stock and I do, you know, can people be smarter with the targeting around that and, and look, look left and right to try and find and tap into the competitor's brand audiences? Yeah, I definitely think so. So usually I'm, it would normally be kind of, it might be there on a client's request, but we know that it generates, you know, kind of worse results or not necessarily. We have like sort of worse metrics like quality scores or something like that. But really, if that is what people are searching for right now, they're not usually bothered about the brand anymore. They're just on about, they're bothered about where can we get it? It's what they need. Um, and actually I would expect to probably say a much better sort of, um, response to them campaigns that people run nowadays as well um, just with the sort of demand that people are interested in yeah so think about think about the products or services that you offer think about if you're um, there's a lot of platforms things like google adwords etc that would offer you targeting capabilities based on other domains or competitor websites and, you know, your competitors might be running very effective engagement strategies and driving a lot of awareness. Um, and if, like Rachel says, you do offer a product or a service that you feel is competitive, either on price or quality, or you feel that they might not be as brand loyal to that competitor, 
Um, then it's another you know, area for you to trial and, and try to make most effective use of your budget um, in running, a, running these competitor campaigns. Again, it's a pretty straightforward thing for you to set up in, in Google AdWords and Bing and, and Facebook and even things like Twitter. You know, you can target other people's followers of other Twitter handles and things like that and advertise your products to them. So there's a, every, every social and, and advertising platform will offer competitor targeting. And I think, you know, as, as, as Scott says, it might be that you're driving demand, you might be driving the traffic and the visibility, but if you haven't got the, the products or the, 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 you know, the, the equipment to service that consumer demand, they're going to look next door, they're going to look at your competitors. So I think, you know, by all means, you play that, play that card against them as well. Um, anything, Dan, have you got any, anything to add on that or any conversation yeah. that you've having this week? I think the, the targeting piece is really interesting. I think there's an element there where you can look at competitor. I think the other side is to understand your audiences. You know, some of that global web index data showed that different audience types have got different priorities for what they want to purchase. So there's probably a time to revisit what your targeting strategy is and to understand, you know, that for certain types of audience that the, the travel is going to be important for them. So you need to make sure that you're, you're pushing your messaging to right towards the right audiences. And I think the other side is from a technical piece is, you know, Scott's touched on a lot of businesses that are having a huge amount of traffic, but have limited amounts of kind of, kind of stock or a huge amount of traffic, but they can't necessarily facilitate on the website, they're starting queuing systems. I think there's some, there's some areas there to, to make sure if you are a retailer that's looking at queuing, make sure from a, an SEO point of view, you're, you're doing that in the right way. You know, there's some issues with B&Q the other day in that, you know, they put a queuing system in that, that actually was the thing that Google saw. And that meant that a lot of those pages that were indexed from an SEO point of view start losing their value and you start losing the rankings. So, you know, there are some short-term implications you might have to do during kind of this period and coming out of the outbreak and lockdown, but think about the long-term effects and make sure you put stuff that is technically sound in place. So I, I definitely think targeting is something to look at, but make sure that when you are doing the kind of stuff that you need to do, that you don't impact stuff in the long run. Yeah, I think another key point there on the data side is, is if you do have a lot of products that are out of stock or, or you know, your website isn't sort of optimal and is crashing or overloading, if you are getting high traffic volumes, that sort of customer bounce rate being tracked within your Google Analytics platform is going to start to hurt your organic rankings and Google's not going to like the fact of a lot of traffic coming on your website and then immediately bouncing because you haven't got the products and services so that might inadvertently start to lower your organic rankings and affect your SEO and visibility and traffic as well, Dan, yeah? Yeah, and I think, you know, some people have done it in very different ways. I think if you look at the next example, you know, it works from an SEO point of view, but it's awful from a customer point of view because all they've done is mark every product that's out of stock and nowhere on the, the website does it tell you that they're not selling products online. It just says there's none, nothing available in any size. And actually, that's awful. So... I think it's that balance from a, a creative point of view to make sure you've got the messaging. It might be a light box that comes up and tells people that you're not shipping, but maintain that content in the background so that you're not actually getting bad experiences. And, you know, it might be a case that in the short term, you just update your meta descriptions to say, you know, we're not selling online. So people actually don't necessarily click through, get a horrible experience and then bounce. So understand how you can actually, you know, drive people towards the right behaviors in a period that, you know, you might not be able to sell, but don't damage it for the long term. Yeah, I think Dan, you're absolutely right. I think that could have some not some serious long-term brand damage, but well, actually, it could because people could actually see that as a brand that just didn't have all of the products in stock, didn't communicate when it would be. When actually, the reason and rationale behind that is something that people would really, really understand right now, and who might go to I don't know John Lewis and make that purchase. 
but knowing fine well that they're coming back to next because of that reason. However, now it might be the fact that they aren't going back because they're just not a on a fit supplier. But you know what I mean? It's it's they see them in a much more negative light. That might actually apply more now because I see that Next have just reopened their online store this morning um, and they're able to now sell online. Um, but I wonder if there's going to be a rush of people who haven't been able to buy online suddenly going back um, and and getting on Next and have, still having a bad experience because they may not have you know prepared and there's a big rush on um, people going back to Next because they've reopened their store, um, which might be a negative thing in the long run anyway. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, Al, to see how many of those customers that people like Next and these big retailers maybe had assumed were super brand loyal and probably were up until this period have now moved across onto other mm-hmm. retailers and providers who and competitors who can now service them. And do they come back or do they stay loyal um, to the to the new engagement? So, okay, think- well, no, I think... I think that's um, I think that's us. We're at that sort of time up for everybody. We're conscious you've all got very busy days and and, and probably lots of other Zoom meetings and whatnot to get to. So um, I suppose in summary, you know, the first point around Gen X being a huge opportunity. These thirty-seven to fifty-year-olds. I think you know things that L touched on around people using more traditional or what we're seeing is more traditional methods like radio, um, voice assistance. You know things like um, Sky Ad Smart and streaming going through the roof. Think about all these new channels because these behaviors aren't going to go away. People are going to continue to, to engage in these platforms and these areas moving forward. Um, I think resources like Global Web Index, by all means, everybody should be using their free resources and the paid resources are fantastic as well. So use these third-party data sets and garner what you can to help support your marketing activity. We'll share a few of the free resources around to every, all the attendees off the back of today. Um, but people definitely will be coming out the back of this looking to make those big key, big ticket purchases, cars, holidays, you know, furniture, um, things like this. So get ready for that. And I think the final point of think about the impact on that rebound of not just can you drive your own activity, but how is your activity going to be impacted by people further down your supply chain, such as Scott mentioned, or again, think about some of your decisions during this process and what the long-term kind of ramifications of those are, either technical decisions or all that customer engagement decisions. Um, but yeah, lots to pick up on there. We'll have the podcast sent around to everybody up at, at the end of this, and we'll be back on Thursday this week, the 16th of April at 11.30 with a special guest speaker who um, will definitely keep everybody entertained for sure. And we'll, we'll send you some information round about that. Um, and it's a very it's a very left field take on, on on what we're all going through at the moment. So hopefully you'll be back for then. Um, yeah, final thank you from me and thank you from all the panelists. Uh, you've done a fantastic job. And yeah, stay safe, everybody. Cheers. Thank you.